Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. I just have a short word that I really believe that God has given uh, me for this morning for you to encourage you. And uh, if you have a Bible and you'd like to turn with me uh, to the New Testament in the book of Mark, that's great. If you don't have a Bible or you're sitting in one of the dark spots, which is 90% of this auditorium, then you can just look at the screen behind me and it'll be there. God has been doing such an incredible work in the life of our church In people's lives, you don't actually get to see, unfortunately, the result of what's been happening. As we invite people for prayer, as we invite people to encounter the presence of Jesus, as we invite people to lay their lives down, God is actually doing something on the back end of that. It's not just people coming to the front to get prayer for the same thing every time. It's actually God is using where he's leading us to break through in people's lives and transform them. Wherever Jesus is present, wherever he is, there is healing and freedom and restoration. There's hope and there's faith and there's life. If you're not experiencing that in your life, then you need to get closer to the presence of Jesus. If you're not experiencing fullness and richness and newness, his invitation to you is just to come closer to him. And by nature of drawing closer to his presence, by his very character, he's exuding these things. That's what the kingdom of God is. When the Bible talks about the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven, It's literally the activity of heaven invading earth. The things that are said and done. The hope and the life and the resurrection power and the freedom that's happening in the kingdom of heaven exploding out of us. We don't even have to say anything. Jesus didn't have to say anything half the time. Literally, it says in the Bible that when he would walk, And people would see him when they even saw him without him saying anything. If there was stuff going on in their life, if there was oppression demonically, they would call out. They would fall to the ground without him saying anything because there was a confrontation happening of the kingdom of God bringing freedom and life to these people. Everywhere Jesus walked, it was this way. I don't know where exactly we've gone wrong in our church societies, but our churches aren't filled with life so much of the time. We have way more intellectual knowledge than we do heart experience and transformation. We can recite verses and know things. We can have awards for attendance at Sunday school and perfect attendance at church. We can have all of that, but walk around bound and broken and defeated because we're not actually drawing near to the presence of God. And Jesus has invited us as a church 
to forget the formality of religious expression, forget the formality of church and all of the structures and systems. Some of them are good and we need some of them, but not to get focused on those because he actually has a daily vibrant life that he wants for you. His daily vibrant life as Jesus walked on this earth led to people receiving healing and freedom, led to brokenness being made whole, and that's his invitation to you and I. It's not just something for pastors to carry around. It's actually something for the whole body of Christ to be liberated in. In Mark 3 was one such occasion. Mark 3, 1 to 5 or 6, see what happens. Jesus went into the synagogue again, so he went into a religious service, basically. It's like he was, you know, if he walked in here physically right now. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Some of your versions may say a shriveled hand. Since it was the Sabbath, which was their Sunday, Saturday, which is our Sunday, Jesus, his enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. A while back, basically what happened was right after I had given birth, I started having a lot of anxiety and that just kind of blew out of proportion to these really bad night terrors and nightmares. Um, very scary demonic images. Um, I would feel like when I would wake up from them, um, I could like see things like in the dark, like my eyes would be tricking me. Um, I could feel like a presence kind of there, um, waking up from that. And it was scary and dark and looming. Um, these night terrors were so bad to the point where I would just wake up screaming. Um, I would wake up even puking sometimes because of how disgusting it was. Um, just people that I care about just being tortured or tormented and it was awful. And then Revival Nights came through and they were talking a lot about, um, well, we've done quite a few altar calls within our church and I've always been a person that's been very hesitant towards that kind of stuff. Um, not that I don't believe in the power of it, but I feel like there's people where we're like, I'm dealing with things, but not, not that bad, not that bad enough that I have to go up for an altar call kind of thing. Or God will work that differently in my life. I don't have to do that, but it's an affirmation of your faith to go up 
and accept that kind of healing in your life. And when Andrew was talking about um, the fact that they felt like they needed to pray for people over um, night terrors or sleep apnea or just all of that kind of stuff, I literally just felt in my gut, like, you can't ignore this altar call. Like, you have to go up there. Um, so I did, and I was anointed with oil by one of the elders at the church. And that night, the second I had gone home, it was completely different. I didn't feel scared to walk into my house. I felt like it, there was a safe covering and that I was protected. And the second my head hit that pillow, I was out like a light and I didn't wake up until morning. And it was beautiful and we have a new baby and he didn't wake up, which was amazing. Um, but even the nights afterward, um, even if he did wake up, I'd still felt that restedness. And what was crazy about all of this was on that first night when I woke up to do my morning devotions, um, I felt like God tell me that you, like, this is amazing that this has happened in your life, but you have to live like you've been healed. That morning, <laughs> Andrew um, was just kind of, we were just all recounting the amazing things that God has done in our church for the past two years. So just, having people kind of stand up and share what's been going on or if somebody that had been anointed with oil that night um, had had a restful sleep. And in my gut, I hate public speaking. I hate doing any kind of face-to-face -face anything. Um, and I just slowly felt my hand creep up because that inkling came back where God's like, you have to live like you've been healed. You can't hide this from the world. Um, so I got up and I spoke and I shared. Um, and I feel like that has been a huge thing that I've been learning about is that he is so great and so good and so faithful with what he does in your life. And I feel like too often than not, when the good things happen, we blame it on things like good luck or our own um, strength for things. But this was something I could not do in my own strength because I had been dealing with it for weeks and for months and having conversations with so many people and other elders in the church or other people in the church that were helping me and praying for me over that and I had been going through this journey of it but it took me answering that altar call and believing that God wanted this for me because he wants to use me in so many more ways and he doesn't want this to be bondage in my life. He wanted to set me free from that and I have been and it's amazing. Amazing. You know what I love about this story is when Jesus says to this man who has this shriveled or deformed hand, he says, stretch out your hand. But he doesn't tell him which one to stretch out. He gives him a choice in that moment. Am I going to extend the hand of my strength and my dignity? Am I going to extend the hand that, that shows that, that I'm strong and that I'm capable? Am I going to extend the hand that it's healthy and looks good? Am I going to extend the hand that, that has the appearance that everything is all good? Or am I going to extend my brokenness and my need? Am I going to extend that hand that causes me shame and is attached to so much hurt in my life? Am I going to extend that hand to him that needs his healing, that needs something from him that I can't give to it? Am I going to extend the hand that's healthy and has life or the one that's dead? 
And his invitation to us is the same. How are you going to approach me? When you come here, what are you coming with? Are you coming with your strength and your wisdom? Are you coming with the veneer that everything's good in your life? Or are you willing to approach me in humility and brokenness and say, God, I need you to work. Because if you don't touch certain areas of my life, I'm going to be walking wounded for the rest of it. And it's out of Jesus' love. It's out of his nature. I'm convinced that Jesus could not not heal a man. Because that man extended to him that hand that needed his presence and his touch. Jesus responded out of his goodness and out of his grace and out of his faithfulness. He took what was broken and deformed and lifeless. And as that man stretched it out, literally that word in the original language is to stretch out, to lengthen or widen. As that man stretched out his hand to Jesus, it became whole and complete. In that earlier version I read to you from the NLT, it says, hold out your hand. The question for us is, what are we holding out? Are we holding out in life because we're afraid of what it would look like to be vulnerable in our faith and with Jesus? Are we holding out with him in our faith life and saying, you know what? That, that's not for me. Somebody worse off probably needs that better than I do. Are we holding out like even Angelica said in her story how time after time she just felt like it was for somebody else that God wanted to bless and touch somebody else. We could hold out in several ways. And Jesus is saying, I'm not looking for you to hold out for me. I'm looking for you to hold out that vulnerable area of your life, that brokenness, that thing that needs me. Are you willing to hold it out? That whole night, that Saturday night, came not because we planned to do it. That morning, I was up and I was reading my Bible. Some of you think that nothing good could come out of the Old Testament, and especially the first five books, because there's a lot of rules that are sometimes hard to follow. But this is what I was reading that morning. Leviticus, what, like I've never even quoted a verse from there, I don't think. Leviticus, third book of the Bible, 26.6 says, I will give you peace in the land and you will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. Soon as I read that, I just felt like Jesus saying, I want, to ex I want you to extend your hand, hold out your hand. I want to bring freedom to people who have been suffering under the weight of sleep apnea and sleep disorders and oppression, nightmares and night terrors. David said in Psalms that, that the Holy Spirit, he actually ministers to us while we're sleeping. That God wants our, our sleep to be restful and filled with peace because he wants to renew us and regenerate us and speak to us. So that healing, and there was healing for more people that night, that healing wasn't because we had a great plan for it and, and we thought this is a good way to do church. It was because that's who Jesus is. When he steps into our life, that's just what he carries and he knows what you need in the time of your greatest need. 
He knows what you need. And the question is, are you willing to stretch out your hand? Or are you going to pretend like everything's good? Put your brokenness in your back pocket and just pretend like there's somebody else who needs it more than you do. There's somebody else who needs Jesus' life more than you do. I think it grieves God when our churches are filled with, and I'm guilty of this too, when we're filled with, with Christians who walk in with their hands in their back pockets. We come and we sing a few songs, but those areas of our life that we need the most freedom in, we're too scared to stretch out our hand. And the amazing thing about Jesus is there's never shame or condemnation. He's never shocked by our deformities or our distortions. He's never shocked by it. He never chastises us in that way. He invites us to stretch out our hand, even for the smallest thing. I want to show you one more story from that weekend that's a demonstration of Jesus wanting, wanting so desperately to do good things in you and through you. So this past weekend was Revival Nights at Mountain Park, and I was doing sound for the weekend, um, and I woke up Sunday morning, and I had a bad stinging pain in my back, and I couldn't move my arms, but it was between my shoulder blades, and I just couldn't move the whole morning. And when I got here, it was a bit better, but throughout the whole morning um, and the afternoon when I got back from the Sunday service, I was having trouble, and it was stinging, and I came to the evening service, and I was able to do my job here, and I was able to do the sound and worship, but um, it was bothering me the entire time, and that was on my mind. And Brenda got up, and she got up, and she she said the Holy Spirit had give her, given her some words to speak for people for healing. And she started talking about um, someone with a knee problem and different things that were happening. I was like, that's great. People are going up, and they're getting healed. And the last thing she says what, was that there's someone that has a back pain and she pointed right to the spot where I had the pain and I was kind of thinking oh this is this is interesting because this just happened today and and she was talking about it and it, it was exactly like my situation and I was here at the back and I thought well I'm sure someone else with some significant back pain that they've had for years is gonna go up and I'm just back here so I'm gonna stay here and and then the service went on and it ended and I couldn't get away from the feeling that maybe, maybe it was, it was me that the Holy Spirit had put on her mind for healing. So after the service, um, I went out into the lobby to find Brenda, because I had to ask her about what the Holy Spirit had laid on her mind. And I found her and I, and I told her about the pain that I felt in my back that morning. And she, she said to me, oh, you're the one with the back pain. There had been no one else I'd gone up with this back pain. Um, and I was, I was a bit surprised that I was the one that the Holy Spirit had laid on her mind. And she put her hand on my back where the pain was because she already knew where it was. And Spencer came over and put his hand on my head and he prayed for me. And as they prayed for me, I felt the pain slowly go away and I moved my arms afterwards and, and, and it went away. And I didn't feel that pain afterwards and I haven't felt it since. Um, and I, I believe that God wanted to show me that he can heal. The power of his healing is so significant that 
it doesn't have to be a, a crazy life or death situation or an, an illness that he heals, but he cares about everybody and loves you so much that he'll heal even the smallest things that happen. The more we see God at work, the more our attention is not turned to the healing or the freedom. Those are actually just byproducts of the nature and character of Jesus. When we're healed or set free, when our marriages are restored, when there's miracles happening, those are actually just a simply a byproduct of the goodness and the life of God. He's bringing life wherever he goes. We want you to know that it doesn't have to be this big, ginormous thing that Jesus does care about the smallest things that burden you. And in the same way that Jesus invited this man to stretch out, to hold out his hand, Jesus allowed his hand to be stretched out, for it to be pierced with a nail, for his blood to be shed for our forgiveness, for his hands to be wounded and his feet to be wounded and his side to be wounded. He allowed himself to be stretched out on a cross, so that he could conquer the power of sin and death for us and allow us to receive the resurrection life that he's filled with every day. His invitation to you is, I stretched out my hand for you. Are you willing to stretch out yours to me? I did it first, and I did it before you, and I did it before you deserved it, and I did it while you were still mucking around in that nonsense. I did it for you because I love you that much. I stretched out my hand. I allowed those Roman soldiers to stretch it out because I loved you so much because I want you to walk in life and freedom. That can't be found in a church service. It can't even be found by reading this religiously. It's only found in the presence of Jesus. It's only found in intimacy with him. And his invitation to you and I today is, are you willing? Are you willing to stretch out that hand, that part of you that hurts so that I can heal it? so that I can move in it, so that I can bring life where there was death. I'm going to invite the ushers to come. We're going to receive communion. And when we receive communion, this is a, a reminder of God that as Jesus stretched out his hand and shed his blood for us, as your kids are coming in, um, you can, uh, maybe parents, if your kids are between grades one and five, you can just look for them and sit with them. Because as families, 
as families and friendship groups. We, we need to get this and understand this. Communion for us is not just a, a religious observance. It's actually a triggering to remember that Jesus, you stretched out your hand to me and I can trust you. I can trust you with my weakness and my vulnerability. I can trust you with every part of me. And so what we're going to do is um, we're going to invite the ushers to uh, pass out those. I'm going to grab one of those, Carl. Thank you. So these are newer, fancier ones than we had before. It's technology, and no, there's not really, but um, and they're not even they're not better tasting either. But that's not the point. Um, as the ushers are passing these out, and as you're looking for your kids um, who are standing on that back wall there, you know. In the early church, they, they took communion and they practiced this every day. They lived in this space every day. It wasn't like it was this once in a while thing like we do in church, that every day they practiced remembering the sacrifice of Jesus as he stretched out his hands on the cross for us. Every day they were reminded of the invitation of Jesus to bring life. And we want you to know here that as we take communion together, that the Bible says that we just, before we do it, we need to just examine our hearts. And some of you might be here and you're not sure where you land on the spectrum of what you believe. There's an invitation from Jesus today to receive everything that he has for you, to receive his grace and his love and his life. In a minute, what we'll do is you can You'll be able to tear off the top little clear foil. And there is under there something that is supposed to be bread. It might be foam. I'm not sure what's in there, but it won't kill you. That's what I know. And it's gluten-free, I'm pretty sure. So you'll be okay there. And so let's actually just pull off that top section and Families, parents, you can help your kids do this. If you're here today and you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, I want to invite you after. Um, we're going to give you a few minutes after to come, and I'd love to pray with you. The invitation of Jesus to find life in him is free for anyone. It's not based on our merit. It's not based on what hand we extend. It's free for us. And so you can take that top foil off and take the wafer that's in there.
And as we get ready to just take that together, let's just take a moment to thank Jesus for the sacrifice that he made. His body that was bruised and beaten beyond recognition, literally. The early church fathers said that Jesus was unrecognizable to the people who knew them because he endured such extreme suffering and torture. But his body was broken and bruised and cut and torn so that he could give you life. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.